Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's live broadcast, replacing subtle plates with active air sampling. I'm Felisa Mirasol, the science editor of Pharmaceutical Technology, and I'll be your moderator for today's event. We are pleased to bring you this webcast presented by Pharmaceutical Technology and sponsored by Particle Measuring Systems. I would like to share a statement from our sponsor. Particle Measuring Systems provides the tools and industry experts to detect, analyze, and manage cleanroom contamination. It is the only company that provides complete contamination monitoring services, including remote and mobile contamination monitors, microbial and particle contamination monitors, environmental monitoring systems, data management, including data integrity, education, and advisory services for risk assessments, project management, and GMP. We have a few important announcements before we begin. This webcast is designed to be interactive, and we encourage you to ask questions during the event. You can submit questions by typing them in the Q&A box, which can be found on the right-hand side of your screen. You can enlarge the slide window by clicking on the small square icon in the upper right-hand corner of the slide window, or by hovering your mouse over the lower right-hand corner and dragging the window to the desired size. The slides will advance automatically during the event. If you have any technical problems viewing or hearing this presentation, please click on the question mark help widget in the dock at the bottom of your presentation window. I would now like to introduce today's speakers. We are pleased to be joined today by Dr. Frank Panafin and Heather Mason. Dr. Panafin has wide-ranging experience in the field of applied pharmaceutical microbiology and serves as the business development creator, EMEA, at Particle Measuring Systems. Frank has a diploma in chemistry from the University of Bielefeld and a doctorate in molecular and cell biology from the University of Osnabrück. Heather Mason is a microbial specialist working with the America's sales managers at Particle Measuring Systems, providing insight and customer assistance with microbial monitoring process and products. Thank you for joining us today. Dr. Panafin, please get us started. Thanks a lot, Felisa. Thanks a lot for the people attending this call. I'm really happy to present you today our concept of how to replace cell plates with active air sampling. would like to give you an indication that this material has been gathered by three people of our organization, Paola Lazzeri, Anna Campanella, and Gilberto Dalmasso, who unfortunately could not be available to present their own data, but I wanted to give the courtesy to these people because they have been doing the work and I'm going to present today. So the purpose of this call is split into two parts. First of all, I'm going to give you some indications around the scientific background and the literature behind settled plates and the functionalities of settled plates and active air sampling. And then in the second part, I will be handling how to use a QRM approach in terms of replacing the settled plates by active air sampling. As said, the scientific literature at the beginning will give you an understanding of the origins of the guidelines that we are typically following in the pharmaceutical industry. There is as well a part that tells you about how airborne concentrations are related to settled plate counts and how settled plates and active air samplers are managed in terms of physical efficiency. In the end, in the QRM approach side, we are going to 
provide a comparison of these two technologies. And then afterwards, we are looking into how they are accepted by the auditors. And finally, how to validate the replacement of the separate plates. Before I really start with the content, I would like to get some questions to you. And Felisa, I can hand over to you. Thank you, Dr. Panafin. I'd like to ask our audience to participate in a brief polling question. Please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. Here is the question. Do you use settle plates or passive air monitoring in critical environments at your company? Yes or no? Thank you for participating in our poll. I'd like to ask our audience another polling question. Again, please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. Here is the question. What is the main reason to use settle plates in critical areas? GMP requirements? Important monitoring data? We do not use settle plates. Thank you for participating in our poll. Thank you, Felisa, for taking these questions. So, as I promised, we will now go into the literature of today's talk and where does all this come from. So, originally, and this is really uh, surprising, but in 1963, the first federal standard, 209, defined the clean room air cleanliness classification. So, that was a standard that was talking about particles around 0.5 micron and how they are expected in terms of cubic feet contamination. And this is directly linked to a study that Noble, Lidworks, and Kingston published regarding the size distribution of airborne particles and microorganisms. In this respect, you need to understand that this was done in healthcare facilities, so mainly in hospitals and similar settings. We need to understand that the medium equivalent particle diameter was greater than 10 microns. This is an important thing to know because we later come uh, to the point of particle deposition uh, and 10 microns is an important information to know. Uh, another aspect is that these people learned and understood that fungi appear to be present in the air as single spores, mainly when they are in the environment. We all know that we are in a very bad shape, whether we have in clean rooms in our environment, fungi present. So both of these studies um, from whites are mentioned in literature and in the GMP pharmacopoeias. Additionally, there were the EU guidelines on settle plate counts. When they were derived, they were derived from a PDA paper based on the publication from 1986 from White. So White is one of the biggest originator of data of these regulations. But please, you need to understand that in the 2000s, so 15 years later around, there were some interesting studies uh, published that reassessed the relationship of airborne concentration and saddle plates and even asked to change the approach. So what do we know? Particle deposition, and we are testing with saddle plate the particle deposition normally, the velocity of the particle deposition is a very important parameter to define the saddle plate counts. In 2016, so not yet just far, some years ago only, White and Eaton, so again the same publisher, pointed out that the EUGMP maximum concentration should be revised to provide more accurate saddle plate count. So already in 2016, we learned that um, the old regulations or the old status of the regulations should be revised. 
And there were similar declarations by other authors referring to different classified environments. And therefore, we need to understand that still, at the moment, the standard value of particle deposition velocities is set to uh, the 1986 publication of 0.46 centimeter per second. And they're still mentioned there, but originally the people that have published this data already revised the data that is considered. So therefore, it would be really great to understand some uh, new aspects uh, from your uh, side, and I would like to hand over again to Felisa uh, for some questions. Thank you, Dr. Panafin. I'd now like to ask our audience to participate in a polling question. Please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. Here is the question. Do you test for particle deposition in your critical areas? Yes or no? Thank you for participating in this poll. Now I'd like to ask our audience to participate in another polling question. Again, please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. Here is the question. Do you plan to integrate particle deposition tests in the future? Yes or no? Thank you for participating in our poll. Thanks a lot, Felisa, for these questions that are quite relevant. In order to understand how studies are done on particle uh, deposition tests, we need to understand what are the requirements and what are the methodologies around it. And of course, the particles that are used in these kind of tests are usually in a sort of standard. Although in nature and in, in our clean rooms, we will never find those kind of standard particles, we must do, for experimental design purposes, make some certain assumptions. First of all, the particles are spherical, they are uncharged, they have a certain density, and all the deposition velocity is only done by gravity. So, in that respect, the environmental standard set conditions are said to that there is no airflow perturbation and there is a uniform temperature of 25 degrees in order to reduce the Brownsche molecular interference. So looking at the results from these experiments, you see that in 2000, there was a very detailed study published to evaluate the velocities of varying particle sizes in terms of sedimentation on, on surfaces. So when we look into a clean room that was classified according to ISO 14644, the deposition velocity of the cumulative counts of particle size can be calculated. And what you see here is that the velocity is increasing dramatically uh, when you go above the 10 micrometers. And of course, it is depending on the size and weight of the particles. In this respect, we need to understand still, remember, the standard deposition velocity in EUGMP is set to 0.46 centimeter per second, or similarly in the FDA GMP. And when you look in a bit further into the so-called MCP, so the microbial carrying particles, uh, there was a, in the publication from 2016 from Wiley Neaton, you see a very similar aspect that the larger the particles, the higher the position velocity. And of course, what you see is that in the end, the position velocity increased as the cleanliness of the clean room increased. So again, just think about it and do remember that 0.46 centimeter per second is the standard deposition velocity and how this is reflected. If you see this, you will understand 
that you need a very high deposition velocity and a high concentration of MCPs in a clean room to reach these 0.46 centimeter per second. Taking this into account, we should go and visit a new standard that is just about to be released. It is the ISO 1464417, which is still in the draft shape, and I, I do believe in 2020 we will see the publication uh, becoming ready. In the end, we know that particles smaller than 5 micron are most likely to be removed by the ventilation system. So this is the target of our um, pharmaceutical environment, and we understand that all the microorganisms and all the particles less than 5 micrometers should be removed definitely by the ventilation system, simply by the airflow and by the air exchanged. Above the 10 micron meter, we need to understand that still more than 50% will be removed from the air uh, by surface deposition. So in the end, as a, as a reference, think about what do we have in, in GMP as alert or maximum limit. The maximum limit are 20 particles per cubic centimeter. That means 20 particles greater than 10 microns are expected. So. Here we see immediately that there is a discrepancy around the theory of particle deposition and our GMP regulations. Emphasize again, looking at this graph that was published from uh, Agricola and presented during the ICC in 2018. So, as mentioned, particles less than 5 micrometers are removed by the ventilation system. You will not even find them in clean rooms of class A. Particles greater than five are largely removed by the clean room ventilation system without settling. That means when you look into the graph, you can easily understand that 50 to 80% of the greater five micron particles are removed by the ventilation system. And remember, the median of human particles and the median of particles that are microbial carrying particles is 10 microns, and the average shape of a skin flake is typically thin like one to three micrometer thin and 10 to 25 micrometer in diameter. That means these particles are the ones of interest that could be considered as risk factors in pharma. So how could we understand and how could we consider that a microbe on a large particle origin from an internal equipment will really settle on a specific small surface in class A critical areas. So how could we consider that under these conditions, microorganisms sitting on large particles of a medium diameter of 10 to 50 micrometers will really settle on a settled plate? It's really almost unlikely that we will understand the reality by using settled plates. So let me change a bit to the uh, active air samplers. Active air, viable air samplers have a certain efficiency, and there is a standard here. The standard is ISO 14698 uh, from 2003. This was a standard that already quite modern. I must really say the ISO 14698 had all aspects of risk assessment already included in the year 20, 2003 when in our world of the pharma, it was not even considered in our regulations. Nonetheless, um, two factors will determine whether a air sampler is really efficient or not. It's the physical efficiency and the biological efficiency. The physical efficiency tells you how good the sampler can collect various sizes of particles, and the biological efficiency will tell you how good it can collect microbial carrying particles, meaning MCPs.
How does that work? Air samples typically accelerating the air through a nozzle. That means the air has a certain speed in the range typically of 10 to 30 meters per second. That is quite fast. With this high speed of air, particles are accelerated that are included in the airstream. And like a car that is driving too fast into a curve, the particles will not follow the airstream that is diverted on the surface of the impaction plane, which would be normally an agar. So the particles then would impact into the agar surface depending on the speed of the air, of course. How does that work with saddle plates? Simply, we believe and we hope that uh, airborne particles fall onto the agar surface just by gravity. Of course, larger particles have a higher tendency to settle on smaller ones, but we must understand that the air turbulences and the air speed increases the suspension time of airborne particles. That means under high speed and under high air turbulences, you will have difficulties to have microorganisms or MCPs settle on surfaces like a saddle plate. So what guidelines are existing about a saddle plate's efficiency? If you look into the ISO 14698, it is clear that the saddle plates are not considered a measure for air contamination, but they are a measure for surface contamination because they are measuring the settling of microorganisms on the surface. So they are not measuring the total number of microorganisms present in the air. They are measuring how microorganisms or particles would be settling on surfaces. So the same is mentioned in a very new actual draft of the European uh, side. So that Europe has developed its own new standard out of the 14698. Generally speaking, the ISO 14698 should have been updated. And finally, it happened that um, the ISO committee was not able to get aligned. So the Europeans themselves uh, have developed a new standard that is a European standard 7141, which is in a draft stage, but in the final draft stage. And it says that saddle plates at the moment are a measure of the number of microorganisms that are deposited per unit per area. It provides a more direct means of measuring potential product contamination than the measurement of the concentration of microorganisms in the air. That's true. But is that really true for, and is it really valid, for super clean environment with high turbulences? We just learned that especially when we have high airspeed, there is a cleaning effect from the airspeed that will, in the end, remove these MCPs from the airs and will prevent them from settling. Let us have a small look as well on how the regulations and the standards give us education and support in how to select air sampling devices. ISO 14698, they give us that the selection of contamination air sampling devices should be done upon the purpose for which the sample is required. So they tell us already now that you need to consider the data that is generated with this and what you want to do with this data and not only sample just for the purpose of sampling. And ISO EN 7141, it tells us that the sampling method must be appropriate for the clean controlled environment to be monitored. So you need to select carefully sampling method according to what you're expecting. 
considering volumetric ad samples, it says you need to select a suitable device with the right collection FNC that is validated, and of course, all the instrumentation that you're using must be periodically calibrated. So that's not new, but it is now written explicitly in this draft. That's why I like this new draft very nicely. So as a conclusion of the first part, we need to understand that the scientific literature and the norms and the standards that we have been looking at, it gives evidence of strengths and limits of several plates in viable air monitoring. We understand that there is clear limits of several plates and from our practical experience in pharma, we know as well that the problem of several plates is that they are easily contaminated by the operator. So now the question is, how can we use a quality approach in understanding the existing microbiological monitoring methods? How can we understand when we can use settled plates and how can we replace them by active samplers and how to implement that? This is the next question I'm going to cover. As I told you, we're looking now at um, a comparison of settled plates under a QRM approach. The acceptance by auditors on this and on the other hand, how to validate a change. So let's first have a look at the comparison. We have five factors that we should be considering. The first one is to measure the concentration of microorganisms in the air. We need to understand that we want to know what quality the air of our surrounding manufacturing is. So in that respect, we should think about the active air samplers measure the microorganisms in the air in a given time and a given volume. This is very good. This is what we really need because then we can determine the quality of air. Settled plates, unfortunately, just give us the number of microorganisms that will deposit on a given area. That means it is a measure of surface cleanliness and not a measure of air cleanliness. By that meaning, it is a situation that the settled plates are not really giving quantitative but only semi-quantitative results because you cannot give a real reference, only a reference volume and a reference surface. In active air samples, you can give that per volume and time. That's why it is a clear quantitative method. When you look into the situation whether it can detect low concentration of microorganisms under unidirectional airflow, so UAF, this is the abbreviation down, we have the issue in several plates that the unidirectional flow causes a surface cleaning effect, and this means that the unidirectional flow will wash away the particles and settling is very much reduced in critical areas. On the other hand, an active air sampler can aspire actively air and therefore actively collect out of the environment the airborne microorganisms. Another important aspect is that you may have to investigate excursions or out of specifications for the particle monitoring side of things. So just for the particle testing that you're doing in continuous and critical areas. If you have excursions there, settled plates are really not useful because there is no correlation. It uses completely a different methodology, but active air sampling as well a volumetric methodology that is aspiring particles according to their size, they are very similar in terms of methodology and can be taken into account. Last point that is really, I would say the most important point after all, is the fact that 
validation of sample plates is almost impossible. The only thing you can do is a growth promotion test that shows that microorganisms would have grown on the surface. Alternatively, active air samples have been validated and can be validated according to ISO 14698 with the physical and biological efficiency. No, so you know that microbial air samplers, active air samplers are working in the right way. This is what you are not sure of when you're using subtle plates. And data out of these subtle plates are very questionable. Therefore, I would like now to ask you some more questions and I would like to hand for this new interaction to Felisa, getting some new questions. Thank you, Dr. Panafin. I'd now like to ask our audience to participate in a polling question. Please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. Here is the question. Do you have experience with false positive results in critical areas due to operator mishandling? Yes or no? Thank you for participating in this poll. Once again, I'd like to ask our audience to participate in a polling question. Please click directly on the screen to enter your answer. And the question is, how often does that seem to occur? Never, one per year, less than five per year, less than 10 per year, more than 10 per year, or not applicable. Thank you for participating in our poll. So there is a question. Why are satellite plates still used in grade A? So knowing now all the scientific uh, difficulties, the question is really uh, why these satellite plates do still have a value or don't they have a value at all? So in the past, the traditional methods available were the only ones that allowed monitoring over long periods of production. So these methodologies were the only way to monitor for a longer time. So that was considered as one of the only reasons to use that. They were still somehow quantitative and, of course, very cheap. In reality, regulatory bodies still are accepting these methodologies and sometimes even request them. So these are the main reasons why uh, set of plates are still used in clean rooms and in critical environments. So why do we really need to change now? And what is the reason why people are now considering to change? The first understanding is the science behind uh, the settling it has become more and more evident. So we know better around what happens in the unidirectional airflow and that all uh, the settled plates are not a measure of air quality but of surface quality. So gravitation plays a role, the cleaning effect on the unidirectional flow is important. And of course, the defined parameters are set according to the ideal conditions, so we don't really know what happens under the conditions of use. And then the regulatory point of view is that the EU GMP Annex draft uh, from 2017, which we hope will be finally released in 2020, gave a clear indication that we should use now scientific approaches and scientific understanding based on risk-based approaches under uh, quality risk management approach to really review the data and the methodologies you're using for each sampling point. And this requires as well an update on the systems and every one of you may have heard 
that uh, the EU regulatory bodies now request to have a contamination control strategy, which is really a new complete system that they are expecting in order to avoid contaminations in a clean room. And this is just to prove these new consequences. Risk assessment should be used to justify alternative approaches to those specified in this annex. Only if these alternative approaches meet or surpass the intent of this annex. So you understand that if you want to change things and if you need to change things, understanding the science behind it, you are supposed to use quality risk management approaches to change your methodologies. So how would we normally consider then to do that effectively? What are the steps and what are the factors to introduce that into our environment? The only option to do that in a quality risk management approach is to do that in a step-by-step -step approach. And I will go through the, all of these steps now in the next slides. So, of course, you need to define at the beginning the QRM and contamination control strategy. Then you need to look into the different air samplers and choose the right sampling times and sampling conditions. And then, of course, uh, understand the culture media that you're using. The risk assessment for monitoring especially must only assess the single sampling point location, but as well must evaluate that the sampling methods are able to capture the contamination. So we need to understand whether it is technical possible to capture the contamination. And you need to provide a rational to prove that air continuous monitoring meets or surpasses the traditional method. In the contamination control strategy, you need to describe, therefore, as well, what are the particle and microbiological impact on your decision. When you are looking into selecting air samplers, important is to use the concepts of ISO 14698, especially biological and physical efficiency, of course, and then, of course, looking to the chapter A3.2, uh, where it is described how to select a sampling device. Alternatively, you could look in uh, the upcoming European draft 7141, which will help you as well in finding the right air sample for your need. The sampling time and sampling rate is really important. By this, you need to take into account from a manufacturing perspective the total duration of your whole process. Let's consider you have an eight-hour process from setup to the end. And of course, you need to understand how often you're doing interventions, and especially you need to decrease the monitoring interventions as much as possible. So from your side, the interventions generally should be reduced, but especially as well the interventions for monitoring purposes, because they are unintentionally and are not necessarily needed. And then the sampling rate, when you consider the sampling rate, the whole process, so the continuity of the process need to be covered. This means you should no longer think about putting snapshots of your process by sampling microbiological samples. No, you should know what has happened throughout the whole process at not only single events. And it is absolutely clear that these measurements should not interfere with the viability of the microorganisms and should not pose any risk to the process of all. That's clear. And of course, at the end of it, that's from a microbiology standpoint quite useful. 
you're looking typically at the culture media that is used. So you do typically a growth promotion test before use. And during the validation in a QRM approach, it is recommended as well to check whether the growth promotion still works after use. So if you would be sampling for 10 minutes, 20, 100 minutes, even up to two hours, after this time, you need to understand whether the microorganisms would really grow and that this time would have not affected the fertility of the media. And of course, you need to correlate all the data according to the science behind it. As a conclusion, from a scientific and literature perspective, we need to understand that set of plates in unidirectional airflows and in critical environments are not really a favorable methodology. We know that the use of saddle plates is very useful where there is turbulences, less airflow, etc. So still in great CMD, we, we have very valuable data telling us what's happening in these counting areas, for example. But in critical areas, the data generated by saddle plates is really questionable and not validatable and Especially, it is not actionable data because you simply cannot trust what is coming out. As a consequence, people will be considering at this moment of time, now that we have a new area of regulation and understanding of pharmaceutical manufacturing, to implement active air sampling by replacing settled plates by active air sampling. There are certain ways of doing this, and under these aspects, I would like to hand over now to my colleague, Heather Mason, who would be explaining to you our concept and our strategy of the company and as well how this ties into the replacement of saddle plates by active air sampling. Heather, thank you. Thank you very much, Frank. I'm Heather Mason, Field Application Specialist at Particle Measuring Systems. So before we start the Q&A, I'd like to briefly discuss a complete sterility assurance solution. The slide on your screen shows our contamination monitors, services, training and education, and our environmental monitoring systems. So let's go into each one of those in a little bit more detail. For contamination monitors, we offer portable and remote particle and microbial instruments. We also offer a BioCAT single-use impactor for the direct replacement of settle plates. The BioCAT single-use complies with ISO 14698 Part 1. The culture media is validated to be stored at either room temperature or under refrigeration with a shelf life of up to 12 months. We offer this in TSA and SDA, and we offer a variety of neutralizers. These can replace settle plates in clean rooms with the ability to be used for up to two hours at 25 liters per minute. Some of the benefits of BioCAP single-use, they help to eliminate false positives by reducing the risk of contamination by improper handling of media plates. They also eliminate the time-consuming and operator-dependent cleaning and process steps associated with traditional stainless steel samplers. This includes disinfection, sanitation, sterilization, and autoclaving procedures. This can create a simplified SOP it eliminates possible injuries and handling concerns with stainless steel impactors. It reduces the risk during the introduction and withdrawal of microbiological sampling plates in sterile production areas. So next, I'd like to move on to services. 
But particle measuring systems, we offer advisory services. We can help you with your sample point location, risk assessment, process improvement. We do project management. We do calibration and maintenance, validation and installation, and software support. We also offer training and education. We have webinars such as today's. We have a particle college. We have a GMP academy. And we can do on-site customized training. And we have a knowledge center on particle matters. Next are environmental monitoring systems. We have data management systems meeting 21 CFR Part 11. We do offer a facility pro with various configurations and software options, and we can do sampling automation. So all of this together equals your data generation from an FMS system or any of our instruments with data management, and we have a complete package of pharma integrity. Now I'd like to put this webinar back to Feliza and Frank for your question and answers. Thank you very much. Thank you for such an informative presentation. Before we get started on the question and answer session, I would like to remind our audience how to submit questions. You can submit questions by typing them in the Q&A box which can be found on the right-hand side of the presentation window. And our first question is, Dr. Panfin, you explained the physical efficiency of air monitoring devices. What about the biological efficiency? Well, this um, biological efficiency can be uh tested by an experimental design that is described in either in the ISO 14698 or in the European Norm uh, 17141. Um, this is, uh, on the one hand, a comparative aerosol testing. So you compare um, a testing with uh, an, an instrument against an existing instrument that has been validated already. And then on the other hand, um, you can do as well, uh, do an a comparison against already validated monitoring devices. This is something that is described in the new European norm. It can become quite difficult to get sufficient statistical data and uh, to get a good homogeneous distribution. So you need to be very careful on this. And um, therefore, uh, it is uh, the, the first one in comparative aerosol testing. It's a bit easier to do, and this is typically done by the suppliers of the uh, and monitoring systems, so you don't need to take care about this. You just need to ask the, um, the supplier from this. Our next question is, subtle plates seem to be a measure of surface contamination. Is that correct? Yeah, in, in fact, it is in, in reality, it is really a measure of the surface contamination rate, so how fast the surface is going to contaminate. Um, and it is not a measure of the absolute contamination of, of a certain area. So as I try to explain, it is a bit uh, uh, odd that we try to understand the air quality by this. In, in essence, it is, uh, it is a measure of how surfaces will get uh, contaminated uh, over time. Our next question is, can we do only one active air sample for eight-hour sterile fill Using a biocapped as robotic fill may not have been an option of replacing the biocapped. 
Well, this is a this is a very good question. And robotic line, it is a really um, a kind of a of a difficulty because typically you don't have uh, any glove uh, entries inside, and that's why you need to have built in the robotic a robotic way of uh, exchanging uh, ascent and methodologies. In, in this respect, uh, it might be a chance to use uh, a robotic arm to exchange the uh, the biocap. We've we've done some studies and we are looking into that together with robotic manufacturers in um, in the feeding line air, in, environment. Um, at least it is the best option if you only can handle one active air sampling in 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 a line um, to take the biocap because that can sample two hours. So you will have a at least a two-hour overview of the of the eight-hour sterile field. Although I would not consider that as perfect. Um, of, you need to understand whether you would be ready to capture enough uh, contaminations by a by a useful risk assessment. Next is why do you consider settle plates as appropriate for the use in non-critical environments? Well, in non-critical environments, the air is typically um, is, is typically turbulent or does not even um, have at the same high speed like in, in critical areas. And under these conditions, um, the the position speed of uh, of MCPs, so um, microbial carrier particles, is higher. And that means, in this respect, you will have a value that gives you better data um, because you do not have the cleaning effect. Of the airspeed, so that is why, for example, in in um, clinical environments, so hospitals and so on, where so settle plates are very often used, I see that it's quite a, a useful tool to understand how it uh, is contaminated. And on the other hand, in clean rooms D and C, it could be as well a very helpful uh, know-how how the environment and how the surfaces of these environments will be contaminated. So I would I would say it, it has something to do with the air exchange rate and the high speed that will of the, of the critical environment where where the settle plates may not be really useful but in the other areas uh, you don't have this cleaning um, air cleaning efficiency and that means uh, it can be a helpful data now can we do sterile manufacturing in a robotic isolator without passive air sampling well, I do believe yes. Um, anyhow, uh, the the purpose of robotic air isolators and robotic samplers are to exclude the human intervention, and uh, therefore the most important contaminator is removed out of the environment. In that respect, I would uh, say that removing the passive air sampling is uh, is a it's a method to to really use. Um, let's say to really um, remove false positives, because in the end, these uh, passive air samplings, so the settle plates, will be handled in a laboratory. They need to need to be removed from uh, into a lab, um, and these are prone to uh, to contamination by the people. And here, I must say, um, if you have a robotic line, you have excluded the people already. Doing afterwards. Uh, um, a movement into a laboratory and you don't have a and you have the risk of cross contamination i would not i would not 
like to do that. Of course, it needs to be supported in the in the special case, of course. But I would I would even dare, and I would long to go uh, to remove completely the saddle plates and try to use only the um, active assembling at the right points, like it is uh, expressed in EU GMP Annex One. Saddle plates can be used in our spaces, but how do you handle this with active air sampling devices? Well, the remote sampling hats uh, that are used, like the BioCap or the BioCap stainless steel, um, they, are, they are not really spaces. So these remote sampling setups can be used as well in areas where saddle plates would fit. So I don't see any, any difficulties to use uh, uh, to use active air sampling if you use a remote sampling. Of course, in such critical areas, you should not use um, uh, air sampling devices, so meaning really air sampling uh, instruments. Um, that should be just remote sampling setups where the instrument is outside the unit. Next question is, passive air monitoring is used in the context of continuous monitoring for up to four hours. Active solutions only deliver a snapshot of the process. How do you see this aspect? Well, as, 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 I, uh, as, as I tried to explain previously, is that active air sampling uh, can be, and there are units available like the backup single use, can be validated for more than uh, 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 just 10 minutes. That means uh, if you reduce the speed of sampling and the flow of sampling and then increase the time, you you can uh, validate, for example, the biocontinuous is validated for two plus hours. That means under these aspects, you can consider a continuous monitoring with active air sampling as a real alternative uh, op option. And that is why I would say, yes, it is possible to, to replace the continuous monitoring. Now, unfortunately, we seem to have come to the end of our webcast. Uh, I want to thank the audience for attending and for participating in today's event. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Particle Measuring Systems, for making today's educational webcast possible. We would like to ask everyone in the audience to participate in a brief survey from our sponsor. You can see the survey to the right of your screen. You will receive an email alerting you when this webcast will be available for replay. We invite you to forward that announcement to your colleagues who may have missed today's live event. Thank you all for joining, and we will see you next time. Goodbye.